0: I want to focus on like the colors of the sky. Mm -hmm. And actually, this is an interesting story. So because the air pollution in Korea is really, really bad, it's very rare that you see the blue sky. And even though like I don't always see the blue sky in Korea, I grew up with it. And like we understand that like the sky is supposed to be blue. So like I would paint the sky blue at any point, right? But little kids these days, apparently they often paint the sky gray because that's what they see so i thought that was an interesting sort of like concept so i want to focus on like different colors of the sky and like what it could eventually become and whatnot so like now i'm trying to figure out what that sounds like in music but like i don't know you got any ideas
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right hi everybody hi this is nikki song i don't know if you remember her from last time but she was in my old apartment and uh, we had a little conversation. Now we're having a new conversation at my new place in New Jersey. So welcome, welcome. Thank you. What are you doing here in New York now?
0: Well, right now in New York,
1: oh, cheers. Cheers, cheers, cheers.
0: Well, right now I'm doing this. Um, back on Saad's YouTube. Um, in New York, I'm not actually doing anything specific. I thought I'd visit because um, my semester wasn't starting yet. So I thought I'd visit and see some friends. And I'm also um, flying out to St. Louis pretty soon. I have a concert there. So I'm actually flying from here to St. Louis.
1: And before before this, you were, at, uh, you were in Texas, right? Or you were on a cruise.
0: I was on a cruise, <laughs> yeah.
1: It's crazy. In the middle of the winter.
0: Yeah, but it was super warm on the cruise because we went to Mexico. And so it was like 30 Celsius. So what is that like? 80,
1: 90, 80, maybe yeah, 70, 70 like 80, no, no, Definitely more, normal 80, 80, 80, yeah. 80 plus, yeah, that's crazy, so you were doing that uh, on the cruise ship, yeah. and then before that you were, I mean, you were at Rice, I'm assuming, yes. Rice University, yes. uh, doing your DMA yes. in composition, mm-hmm. so yeah, mostly we've been having composers on, mostly people from my past, and yes. still the present, <laughs> but uh, Nikki went to Juilliard at the same time as me. And yes. we graduated twenty sixteen. Sixteen right? with
0: Josh too. With Josh, Josh was just here. Josh yeah.
1: was just here, Josh Tradinia. Uh, and that show uh is already on YouTube, obviously. Um this show, I don't know when it's gonna get posted, but uh, right now it's like middle of January. This will probably get posted sometime in February, I'm guessing. Um but yeah this is uh it's kind of fun because i think it's an excuse to have people over right and the uh, to new jersey and, uh, yeah and, and let's talk about stuff that we wouldn't normally have a chance to talk about um because usually you know whenever we see each other it's a quick five minutes at a concert or right. just oh i got a quick question for you Sid, or i got a quick question for you right. nikki and you know i don't want to waste your time and let's move on to the next thing you know but this we can really talk and really you know dissect some things and you know and I think with Josh we did that a little bit which was fun yeah I watched
0: like half of it Yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah we we um yeah, we got into we got we got kind of philosophical there, but I everybody <laughs> everybody everybody is kind of a little different about what they want to talk about.
0: I know that's why I texted you. I was like thinking maybe I need to write up a script or something to be deeper about it. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, of course, I wasn't gonna do that. <laughs> no,
1: no, no, no. That's not that's not the way I do things. I have no idea what I'm gonna talk about until we sit in the chairs, and even mm-hmm. now I don't know what we're gonna talk about. Right. But I mean, if I last time, so if you haven't seen uh, Nikki's. Uh, our little conversation here with Nikki. Uh, I do have another one on on the channel that you can check out, but uh, I don't. I don't think it matters whether you see this one first or that one first. Uh, you know, but do see both. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so these days, what are you what what are you working on besides being on a cruise ship? <laughs> <Having> <laughs> that fun. was
0: a lot. Um, well, I just finished the violin concerto that's going to be performed in March by the Kinetic Ensemble. Mm-hmm. Um, that took months to finish and write and it was a big project so i'm really excited about that and i actually just started writing yesterday for the guitarist Gigi. do you know her oh yeah 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 i don't
1: know her personally yeah but she's like a big time she's great guitarist Yeah, yeah solo guitarist
0: yeah so um i'm writing her a 15 20 minute piece it's gonna be like a bunch of miniatures and that's gonna be um, premiered through TMTA convention in June.
1: What's TMTA?
0: Texas Music Teachers Association. Okay, that's yeah. why I don't know. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna be going to where? Waco, Texas in June
1: cool yeah no, i've heard of that place yeah yeah, yeah. i mean with texas it has it's, it's its own thing i feel like I especially with music
0: it's so big yeah. yeah
1: and do you know um well hillary Purrington, who was one of our classmates at juilliard too she wrote her uh guitar concert yeah. a few years ago yeah yeah and so.
0: hillary went to rice too
1: for undergrad yeah 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 so that's an interesting connection and gigi went to rice as well didn't no. she go to rice's do they have guitar there
0: no, we don't have guitar. Okay yeah, it's really for orchestral instruments. So right? how
1: did you get uh, hooked up with her to write that, this piece?
0: So I have this side project. It's like a passion project of mine. Um, it's called Sounding Board Project. So my best friend happens to be a guitarist. Uh, her mm-hmm. name is Bo Gangby, and um, we've been commissioning and also writing little pieces for guitar like guitarists, and we've been pairing composers to guitarists mm-hmm. to do project together and Gigi was one of the guitarists that um, we worked with two summers ago Mm -hmm. and so we got connected through that and also she does so much new music and she's also Korean so
1: that's right I remember maybe during COVID you had asked me about solo guitar pieces is that the same guitarist you're talking about okay I just remember at that time when you asked me, I think it was like March or April, 2020, maybe, or May, 2020, it It was was like, it
0: might've been like March or April. It was like
1: pretty early on. You had called me and like, Hey, do you want to write this guitar piece? I'm like writing music right now is the (laughs) last thing on my mind. I can't believe you want to write. But I remember a lot of people were treating like that first three, four months, like a residency period, which I thought was a little strange. Like a lot of people got a lot of work done in Mm -hmm. those three, four, uh, uh, I'm assuming that they did, but maybe you were one of those people. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I had all this time all of a sudden, you know, and what else was I going to do? I watched a lot of TV, but then I also wrote a lot of music. And I used to write more for chamber or like bigger ensembles, but then all of a sudden, all these um soloists would ask me to write them like a short thing so that they could work on something. So I wrote like eight nine solo cello pieces during the COVID time. I wrote a bunch of viola solo guitar solo. Yeah, a lot of solo stuff during that time.
1: Yeah, I'm just catching up now (laughs) because I I wrote four in 2022. Okay, flute, viola, oboe and why am I blanking out on the last one flute, viola, oboe. I remember with trumpet, Trumpet, sorry, sorry, Sam Jones, if he's watching. Yeah, (laughs) trumpet. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm catching up to you. Finally.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's such a different like way of thinking when you're just writing for one instrument, you know, especially like, what, which one was really hard. I did one for flute, just solo flute. That was really hard for me.
1: Yeah, that was hard. I remember flute was the first one I did. Yeah. Yeah
0: because with strings you can sometimes get away with like writing some double stops triple stops and have chords but with flute you really can't do much unless you do like you know harmonics and i
1: like. also feel like with the string instruments you're kind of used to hearing yes. them in a solo way more so than like a flute or clarinet or oboe right. you always hear like those instruments in the context of a solo within an orchestra yes but then all of a sudden to hear them by themselves is like whoa it feels really empty Mhm so yeah there was i remember when i was writing the flute piece the way that i dealt with it is i just took like the snot in a minor by cp bach okay and it's like if you look at it it's like it outlines arpeggios like a minor Uh then like e major or whatever i don't remember the chord progression but it sounds like a chord i mean it sounds like a chord progression because i mean because it is right So I just kind of like copied that form, Mm -hmm. and then I and then I did my own thing with it, and it kind of worked. I thought that's cool. Yeah, but that was how I dealt with it from a musical way. And I just felt like, huh, this is really interesting. Like, what if you just like kind of took a really like a piece you really admire from the repertoire and just kind of take formal aspects of it rather than say like a quote from Mm -hmm. it. What if you took the form from it? You know, like literally Uh the form and in a way you're kind of disguising what you're taking from Mm -hmm. but it's also helping you in the composition process so i've been doing a lot of that lately i did that with my second string quartet uh i took the form from this nicola vicentino Mm -hmm. 1500s obscure chorus thing Uh, i did that with that piece Uh, i did it with a couple other pieces and it just i don't know it just really works for me like it gets me jump started into the process without right. like having like figure out like oh my god what's the form gonna be because as you know like now it's like the form could be anything like mm-hmm. we don't have sonata form anymore we or, don't like, have we
0: could just not have any form yeah
1: but i don't like working without form okay Pro- that's just me i don't like working through a piece and not knowing where i'm going
0: right i don't okay. know how you
1: are but like i need to know what the big picture is before i start filling in the notes mm-hmm But I suspect you you are like more you can just kind of go from the beginning. I mean, you write so quickly. It feels like
0: I'm trying to slow down. Actually, I'm trying to write less music and less fast. But um, instead of like having a set form, I kind of have to know what the piece is about. Like usually my piece is like, has some sort of storytelling aspect or like some sort of like narrative thing or like at least like I have to have the title before I write the thing. But um structure wise, actually like I did something similar in this one piece called Weather Change. Actually I wrote that during Juilliard. Um there's this song that I really, really liked called Space Cowboy by Jamiroquai. Do you know that song? No. It's a really I don't cool think so. song. But um I took that exact form and just like plugged in music and then made a clarinet and uh piano piece for it.
1: Okay, so you did kind of a similar yeah, thing to what I yeah. did, yeah.
0: But it was super fun because like, you know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. And then you just like put in the notes.
1: And no one is really going to know what no. you did unless you say it. Right. Yeah. But did you say it in the program? I notes? Did. Yeah. I think it's good to, to, do, to do that too. Yeah. Because it gives people like, a pers- like an extra perspective into the piece. It's not mm-hmm. just a bunch of notes on the page. Right. It means some, and also it tells something about yourself, about what you like and what right. your what do you like outside of the music you're writing. Which is interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's just so many ways to do things nowadays that it's like there's this like infinite number of possibilities, and we just have to find ways to figure out what are our personal possibilities. I know that's
0: the hard part, right? Yeah, to really like figure out what you're trying to do in each piece, and also like within that, you have to find something new and like something different. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just had Patrick O'Malley on. I don't know if this will be up the show will be up by the time this one is up but the last part of our conversation we were talking about like uh, personal uh personal choices in our music okay and how he like kind of figured out like what are what is like a patrick o'malley sound okay. and he would like figure out what these things are in between pieces right and then like purposefully incorporate them in the next piece instead cool. of instead of like it happening in the back of your mind he would like literally say okay this is like a patrick o'malley motive this is like an orchestration that patrick o'malley uses <laughs> like he would just kind of do that i'm like that's crazy i never thought <laughs> about doing crazy. anything like that right wow.
0: yeah so you would have to really like dissect everything that's going on in your piece to like understand what's like sad almost
1: like like a musicologist or something oh my god
0: right <laughs> yeah. yeah like this 265 chord, the way that i voiced it that yeah. is Nicky.
1: <laughs> but that, that's the kind of stuff Right. I, mean, I don't know how deep um, we didn't get into like super detail or he mm-hmm. didn't give me a, I don't think he gave me a specific example of it but uh, I mean knowing Patrick I'm sure that he I mean it's like it's like pretty rigorous stuff right. that he's doing because when I listen to like one piece after another I, I, I do sense that it's him right like I don't feel like it's some other random composer it's like okay that's a Patrick piece that's a Patrick piece so and that is his goal to, to make it sound like a Patrick piece one after the other. So it's kind of interesting.
0: It is interesting. Yeah, actually, um, my piano piece was performed on a um, lecture recital earlier. No, actually, this is 2023. So like a few months ago. Mm -hmm. And um, this pianist James Palmer, he had done like the Roman numeral analysis of my piece, and he was like presenting it like, you know, like an actual lecture. And it was so interesting because I had no idea that I was making that sort of like harmonic choices, but it was like pretty consistent within the piece. And so he was like, this is the fourth time this happens in this key. Really, It was so interesting because, you know, when we're writing, we don't think about that. You don't, you don't think about like the function of this one chord going that way.
1: But does this particular piece have, are the chords like literally, you know, one, one, uh, one chord two chord five chord one chord or is it like added notes
0: a lot of oh, added and notes he would
1: say also the these are the added notes these are the right so he would go in like yeah. very deep into it was but, so cool interesting and
0: like he was also like um pointing out like the motivic ideas that i had and how they were transforming and i wasn't thinking about it in that detail when i was writing but i was like that's kind of cool
1: i mean i I definitely do think about those things when I'm writing, uh-huh. but not for everything. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, of course, I think about like, okay, this can be developed into this or like this texture is going to come back, like, you know, rough things like that. But yeah. like really going down in like um, like the uh, scale degrees and Roman numeral analysis, I, I don't do that when I'm writing. Yeah. So yeah. that no, was neither, really cool. Neither
1: do I. Yeah. I had a, I had a... um. This guy, he is a ethnomusic, a musicologist or ethnomusicologist, I'm not sure, one or the other, from France, um, from he's Lebanese and he's doing a thesis paper on um, harmony in or in uh, Middle Eastern music. Okay. Oh, cool. Basically, that's my jam, right? Okay. So he finds out about my music and he wants to he he's asking me very specific questions about how I came up with the harmony in uh-huh. this piece and that piece, which is mean, very flattering, obviously, but also I kind of felt bad because I told the <laughs> guy. Totally you know, I'm really sorry, but I don't I don't remember how I came up with these harmonies, you know. I can tell I you I can tell you what they are. I mean we can sit here I mean the notes are right there. Right. We can like figure out that this is this kind of chord, this is this kind of chord, this is a passing tone and this but I can't I, I don't really have like a scheme for how I'm doing this. Of
0: course, yeah. And
1: every piece is a little bit different. I mean sometimes I borrow some things from one piece to the next, but I don't really have a I don't have like a manual of how I'm doing any of this. Of course not. Yeah. Um, and you know that kind of i think i don't know if it frustrated him but i mean if i were to if i were writing a paper on this and the composer is 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 telling me this i wouldn't be that happy about it because (laughs) you know it it kind of gives off that the composer is not really being rigorous about it but we are it's just it's just in a different way it's not from a analysis point of view it's more like we need to create this music one Mm -hmm, way or the mm -hmm. other and we're trying to we're trying to come up with a concept here right and you know figuring out what the roman numerals are is the last thing on our mind
0: yeah i i, mean, I don't do that with my music
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no neither do i i mean but uh, it's interesting with people I mean, we're getting at the point now where people are starting to take a look at what we're doing right and uh you know and this will hopefully keep continuing the older we get but and i feel like the also the older we get the less we remember about the earlier pieces. Of
0: course, yeah. So
1: it's like, oh, I wonder what will happen when we're like in our 60s and they're asking about what we're writing now. It's like, I don't, <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even remember I wrote that piece. <laughs> oh my
0: god, I know. And actually, like, you know, I write a lot of music and um, whenever I'm asked to speak about the piece before um, the performance, I have to sometimes read my program though because I don't remember what the piece was about and then it's like, oh, it's this and then i have to like think about what to say in front of people and yeah
1: i did that uh this past summer at tanglewood Uh um i had this piece from 2014 as a program i was like i didn't ever think this piece was ever going to see the light of day (laughs) and i had to talk they asked me like to talk and i'm like what do i say you know i just this is like not a usually talk at a commission or something and you it's fresh and didn't really have much to say and it didn't didn't really come out that well either and after i got off the stage i was like what the heck was i blabbing about was that helpful at all so i I totally get it yeah
0: yeah because like if it's 2014 that was what like eight years ago i feel like we're also such different composers now from like eight years ago you know
1: oh yeah i mean so
0: hearing a piece like that i don't know i get really nervous when i hear a very early piece early piece you know
1: I get really nervous. Um, That particular instance, though, I was actually kind of, it was a weird situation because Dawn Upshaw, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, picked the piece. Okay. And she coached it, and the players were fantastic. The singer was, there was a singer. She was amazing. Mm. And I, you know, I was just happy because I wasn't, A, I wasn't involved at all. (laughs) Just showed up, and it was just great to hear a piece. That's the best. You know, and B, I mean, it was just a great performance. And C, there were a lot of people there. It was a nice venue. and tanglewoods was like this is like this is a dream you know like right. i don't have to do anything i just show up and and it's everything's ready and you know i obviously a lot <laughs> has to get has to happen for a situation like that to occur but right. um when it does happen it's nice
0: <laughs> of course you just show up talk a little bit sit down hear the peace yeah and then go home
1: but that's like the very very <laughs> surface of what we do it's like <laughs> yeah. that's what people see but that's not um that's not what the rest of that iceberg looks like no not yeah that's not that's the that's the thing that people see you know at the show right everything else is kind of not very romantic i feel like for a composer
0: no no yeah people only see us in like nice clothes and we like go up and like talk a little bit and it's all philosophical it's about something bigger and you know but no i I,
1: (laughs) I feel like it's the <laughs> farthest thing from uh, philosophy when I'm actually writing. Yeah. When I'm actually in the process, I feel like I'm the furthest away from the philosophical side. But I do a lot of that before I start writing. Like right now, I'm writing a piece for the Imani Winds, and I'm reading a lot of research about. Ah. Um, I'm reading a lot of research about African polyrhythms. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have this kind of idea where um, I don't know if this is smart to say before the piece is actually. I, I haven't even written a note, but my idea is like what if you took like uh, an african polyrhythm pattern or something and Mm -hmm. not not have it like notated properly or anything right it's more like a free notation and they only and in one of the sects uh in africa i forget which one it's called um they only use five pitches Mm -hmm. and they make this rhythm a crazy rhythm that you can't really notate but my idea is like what if you took that uh, that or a rhythm that's inspired by that, and instead of those five pitches from the African uh, mm-hmm. scale, or the scale that this sect uses, because obviously I got to focus on a region, I can't just right. say Africa, because there's a lot of stuff going on there. Right. Instead of using their five pitches, use my five of my pitches okay. from the Arab tradition. And then as the piece goes along, what if the rhythms become Arabic rhythms okay. slowly over time? That's cool. You know. And I don't know if the pitches would become the African like pitches. Like something else, yeah. Maybe the pitches would, would become less micro, like less Arab uh-huh. makam pitches and more the African pitch. So, so then you it get, like, sort of like, get like, like this, this kind of thing yeah, going on over nice. long. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But
0: that's like what you're thinking. But
1: this is all philosophical right. in a way. Like, and what does that even mean to do this? Like, right. that's another question besides I get the musical. But when I sit there to write it, if that's what I decide to do, then I will do it right you know and then it becomes like a craft thing then a philosophical thing of is this the right thing to do is this the wrong thing to do like I can't think about that while I'm writing gotta just execute right you know
0: and like things change while you're writing you know Mm -hmm. like timings of events could could change and like maybe what you started with doesn't necessarily go to what you thought it would end with so I think at some point like music just kind of takes over and you have to like Respond to that, yeah.
1: So with the guitar piece, you just started it. You said yesterday, yesterday. solo guitar. Yes. Do you have Do you have a concept?
0: So my little brother is a poet, a hobby poet. Yeah. Okay. And so he like sent me a bunch of poems that he's written. So I want to write like miniatures based on his poems. I think it's going to be super cute. And um actually, like thinking about this, like sort of philosophical ideas and whatnot. I have a big commission that's due when february of next year so it's an orchestra piece that's supposed to be about the climate change and climate crisis Mm -hmm. and because it's such a big topic and the piece is supposed to be 20 minutes long which i've never done i've never written a 20 minute orchestra piece before and so i've just been thinking about what the piece is Going to be about how the movements might be divided or like just like bigger picture things mm-hmm. and um i decided that i want to write i was actually having a conversation about this with josh yesterday yeah. at prospect park and it was really nice because he had just heard these orchestra pieces before in florida so he had like some ideas about like orchestra and whatnot but um Yeah, so I think I'm going to divide that 20 minutes into two movements and um, one fast and one slow movement. And um, so I want to focus on like the colors of the sky. Mm -hmm. And actually, this is an interesting story. So because the air pollution in Korea is really, really bad, it's very rare that you see the blue sky. And even though like I don't always see the blue sky in Korea, I grew up with it and like we understand that like the sky is supposed to be blue so like I would paint the sky blue at any point right but little kids these days apparently they often paint the sky gray because that's what they see so I thought that was an interesting sort of like concept so I want to focus on like different colors of the sky and like what it could eventually become and whatnot so like now I'm trying to figure out what that sounds like in music but like i don't know you got any ideas
1: (laughs) (laughs) color is not my thing
0: what's your thing (laughs)
1: when when uh when i see white i'm like that's white even though people tell me no that's not that shade of white that's the shade of white so right uh, well the first thing i think of is uh not color so much but expectation you know you Mm. expect the sky to be blue yes instead it's gray so i wonder you expect the flute to do this but it does that Instead, oh. you do and you do it that way. I mean, it's that's more abstract, I guess. But also, color is pretty cool. abstract it's in the in the uh, realm of the orchestra. Color, what does that mean?
0: Right. So I would,
1: if it was me, I would try to make that. Obviously, that's the first idea. But then I would break it down. Like, what is that? What can I do more technical with that idea? That oh. I, would, I would just go in steps like that. But the first step is good, I think. Mm. like the uh, because you have to you have to address the theme somehow yes. right At the yes end. but I feel like with these concerts with this kind of theme it, um, it you know you could you could go your own way like it doesn't have to be directly tied no because what does that even mean when you have uh, an orchestra piece without voice or anything like how right. what does that even mean I don't Climate know, change right? become
0: and... ocean, become desert <laughs>
1: well i mean john luther adams I and mean, well he's got that down i love or, his music. Uh, david yeah. lang he has that piece mountain yes um, yes have you heard the piece and god created great whales by alan havanis no yeah this is a really cool piece. i show it to my class at columbia oh, cool. um it's a it's a piece from the 1970s that the new york philharmonic premiered and it uses um it uses like these recordings of hump, big humpback whales and he would have the orchestra kind of melted together with the sound of the humpback awesome. whales. It's very like this shimmering very very super tonal piece. Okay. And it, it kind of verges on like exoticism because he's got like like straight up pentatonic scales mm. uh that he's using. So it's okay. not like I feel like today that, that kind of thing wouldn't be as tasteful, but back then it, I mean it was I'm sure it was a pretty Impactful piece, okay. um, Especially with the humpback whale recordings, yeah, it's very interesting.
0: That's so cool. So
1: this commission, who's it for, and what's like the? I know it's for next year, but what's what's like the besides the climate change? Who commissioned it, and how did that all come about?
0: So it's for the Annapolis Symphony, and um, I've been in the um, climate crisis cohort, um, composing Earth cohort at the Gabriela Lena Frank Academy so through that i got this commission and yeah i'm super excited but also really scared like i've never written such a big scale piece maybe i shouldn't say this but you know like <laughs> yeah, it's i'm super excited but yeah. yeah i feel like the message is a lot bigger than what i usually write for and also the length is a little you know what am i gonna do but I'll figure
1: it out. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's, it's a good opportunity to write something longer too. I mean, you're at the point now where you've written, you have a lot of music, and it's good to push outside of your comfort zone a little bit. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's good. I mean, look, Gabriella Lana Frank, at least she's a big time composer. I've met her a couple of times, and she's very nice. What about this? Is this academy open to people like composers anywhere to to be a part of? I mean, I've heard she started it a few years ago by. I don't really know much about it, honestly, mm-hmm. and what goes into her Academy or what what it is. And I don't know, maybe that's
0: something we can yeah. talk about a little bit. So I would say um, joining Gabriela Lena Frank Creative Academy of Music, GF Camp mm-hmm. has been actually like a life changing experience for me. Um, I mean, there are many reasons why like I feel that way towards the Academy and also Gabriela is a men- mentor. but Number one thing is that like, I mean, especially at Juilliard, I feel like as a female composer and also a Korean composer, I didn't always feel that I was in the community. Like I looked different. I was different. And I, even if, even like when I was going to different festivals and whatnot, I didn't always feel welcome in the room. And I always felt like I was like isolated from the other composers, but Gabby is such uh like she has this like idea of like embracing every voice every people like just everyone and so um meeting gabby has sort of given me this like confidence that maybe i could actually be a composer i didn't think that i could actually pursue being a composer when i was at juilliard i was totally not sure really yeah i felt like yeah i i didn't think that my music or i was being like Taken seriously. I really feel that. Hmm. And I think it was because, like, in the room, there were maybe, like, three girls, right? Like, at, at most, I think, at any point. Yeah, you,
1: definitely you, Hillary, for sure.
0: That you was know, the first year, yeah.
1: For, yeah, but I don't, I I always don't remember who the third was. And
0: then Anne.
1: Ah, yes. yes. Oh, undergraduate, That yes. was the
0: first year. And then the second year, it was me, Jushi. You remember her?
1: Yes, yes. Yes, and yes, Sato.
0: Yes. yes, Sato. So yes. it was like three girls always a, three out of like yeah, thirty or something. Exactly. Yeah, 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 it was and, kind
1: of skewed. Kind of very skewed. <laughs>
0: yeah, and even all the music festivals I've been, I was usually like the only girl there. And so whenever I spoke, everyone would be like looking at me because it was so obvious that I was talking. And so I don't know, like um meeting Gabby made me feel like oh yeah maybe I have a shot at this too maybe I could be accepted maybe I could just write whatever I wanted instead of like trying to fit in because I was actually talking to Josh about it yesterday but um when I was at Juilliard I felt like I had to write in a certain style or like I had to like do something that they would take seriously I felt like I couldn't just like do whatever I wanted in my music but um So that has been really wonderful, but also Gabby uses her um, compositional voice and also like her um, status as a composer to really better the world. I think that's what's so amazing about what she's doing. Like, for example, when she asked me to join the Composing Earth program. I had no idea what this was gonna be. I knew about the climate crisis, but that wasn't like my main concern in life, you know. But um, she gathers all these different composers from all around the world, and we get assignments. Like, I mean, the assignments are great because like we get to read books that we would never read, we would watch documentaries, we would listen to music, and we have like discussions about it, like every month.
1: So it would it specifically address this topic. Yes, like you would actually be reading uh, mm-hmm. articles, reading books and, and things like that. Wow. Yeah, so we're this being more, educated more than just like a superficial, no. this is the theme. And this is you have to really understand it. Right. Interesting.
0: So it's like an actual commitment. So it's more or less like a two year residency, I would say, and we meet over Zoom every month. So the first first year we would have these assignments and we would read parts of the chapters of the books, or we would watch documentaries and have discussions about it. And then the second year was what was which was super cool. um we invited a scientist who specialized in um climate crisis and he would give us lectures and also like answer any questions that we might have about the topic. so, um we would get like an actual numbers and we would get all these like informations that we wouldn't normally reach out to and so after those two years of um residency we get to write a piece reflecting on what we've learned what we've experienced and um so like the annapolis uh commission is through that so
1: wow so it's like you have like all these inputs Mm-hmm. It's not just like, all right, I got to write this piece. I got to find something to, to latch no. on to. It's like, all right, I have a, two years worth of yes information that I've been exposed to, and this is the result of that.
0: Yeah, wow. but also, like, to write a piece about it, I feel like after hearing and learning about the climate crisis and, like, where we are right now, I feel like it's a very, like, overwhelming project for me because it, it's been... Like, I feel like being in the cohort has been really meaningful and it's shaped my life a little bit differently. I think about these things now, you know. I look at things being wasted or being wasteful. Like, you know, like, I feel guilty when I see things like that. And, like, I have conversations about it. Like, even now, you know, we are having a conversation about it. And I think that's what's so empowering about what Gabby's doing because without having joined the cohort... I would have not known any of it. We wouldn't have this conversation. So,
1: so when you do this uh, academy for two years, is that, is that the sole focus? Or is there, are there other things going on while you're in the academy? Are there other pieces being uh, done? Because uh, I imagine it's not just like a right. climate education right. going on. And that's it with in this famous composer's right. uh, academy, I'm, I'm assuming, right?
0: So she has many different branches of the um, academy. So this is one branch, um, Composing Earth. But um, I was, uh, so she has also different cycles of um, writing music. And this is more like the usual composer workshop type of thing. So she um, opens up applications, I think, every year or maybe every other year. And you get accepted and you get to write either a chamber piece or solo piece, something like that. And it's a really, really incredible opportunity. You get to work with the people very closely and you are invited to go to Boonville, where she is located. It's like nearby. Like it's in the Bay Area-ish. It's a little yeah, bit in farther. California. Yeah. Yeah. So you go to her house and you really get to know her personally. You get to see her house. And um, you get to work with the performers that you're working with, and then you do the workshop, and then you're reinvited back for a performance. So that's like the actual academy that she does. So I was cycle ten, and she has these cycles like like three, four times a year, I think.
1: Wow, yeah. that's crazy! And she has—I'm assuming she has people helping her yes. with the with this project. And, but like it's
0: her, you know, but it's her, it's yeah. her project. She's not
1: tied to an institution no. or university. She doesn't teach at a university, I'm no. assuming, right? She doesn't. So she's just doing this kind of as her project. She yeah. doesn't have to do it. She's she wants to do it, and it's her, it's her baby, in, in a I sense know. too.
0: And know? I think that's so incredible. Like this is like a full time job, and she doesn't have to do this, you know, but she's doing it because. He thinks this is going to better the world and like composers should think about these social issues composers should speak about these social issues and i think that's awesome yeah
1: I, I i also like the i mean i don't know much about it but i from what you're telling me i like the idea also that a composer is taking advocacy in her own work and, yes. her, and in general not just the compositions but in general because like if you're tied to a university i'm i'm assuming that you would have to have this if you want to do a project like this it has to kind of be okayed by yes the institution you're involved with. You can't just like go out and do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You know? I would assume that if I was a tenure track a professor, I probably either I probably can't do this show anymore. I'm assuming, you know, right. or at least do it in a way where I can just speak my mind. Mm-hmm. I'm always thinking in the back of my head, "Oh, I have to make sure I don't lose my my real job." Right. And uh, something about what Gab- Gabby is doing is uh you know she can do something without having a filter or anything. Yes. Oh, she can do whatever she wants. There's no one dangling anything over her like, oh you have to talk about this topic next. It or right. she can talk about climate change. She can talk about whatever she wants, mm-hmm. right? Or she can focus it. Right. I mean is that what I'm Yeah. Is that what uh, i'm gleaming from this?
0: Yeah, I mean it's like everything that she does really comes from her heart. And I think that's really amazing. And also another thing that's very different about Gabby compared to other mentors that I've had in the past, is that like, she really supports you. And when I feel like I need somebody to talk to, I can reach out to her and talk about anything. And she will give you the time. And um, and some composers are weird about giving opportunities to other people, you know, because they could do it themselves, like commissions and whatnot, but she's always willing to just give it out and give it to somebody who might need it more who might benefit more. And I think that's just so grateful. Like, that's just so generous of her to be that way. Yeah. And
1: she probably knows what, what is a good match for someone. Exactly. Also, yeah. and, and she's aware of her own limitations of time.
0: Right. Too. And so when she picks the students or like, you know, academy um, members, she wants to get to know you personally, not just musically. And I think that's really great because... We don't necessarily think about what kind of person this composer may be. If we like the music, we just invite him or her, and sometimes it's not the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it can That's be true. interesting. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah.
1: Although I've, uh, at least for me, like in the, I mean, over the pandemic, I didn't have really any commissions except the ones that I was finishing from before. Right. But. Uh, the commissions I'm getting now, I'm 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 noticing that they're really vetting, mm. vetting me for like what I would do, like who I am. This, which I actually like, because mm-hmm. also I'm vetting them too. Right. <laughs> you right. know, it's not just a one-way street. So I like this. I actually like the communication before yes. things get started. It doesn't always happen that way. You know, no. sometimes it's like, all right, like we just know this person because somebody else told us about this person. You the contract. You here, write the music like, it, You oh. know, and yeah, oh, like and, that happens a lot. But. Yeah. I'm glad that, uh, at least for me, it's not happening. We're having real conversations about what is this piece. If we do the piece, what is it actually going to be? Right. So we both have expectations of each other, and then we move forward, you know. So hopefully that continues on. I mean, yeah. It makes sense.
0: I think it's so much more fulfilling when it's like a working relationship rather than, you know, here's a contract, and here's a deadline. Yeah. Then it's like I can do anything I want. But that's too abstract for me
1: yeah i don't like doing whatever i want yeah. actually I, um, don't know
0: what, I don't know what i want to do
1: yeah i i like having the other person this is the way i view it if someone wants a piece from me that means they already have an idea of in their mm. head what they expect from me right Yes. maybe they don't know exactly what they're gonna get but there was something they heard in a p- previous piece or there is some idea that they have yes and I want to know what it is, yes. you know? because then I could say, okay, I like that idea, but I could do this, or I like this idea, but let me run this way with it. And you know, like I had the, con- I had a couple of conversations recently with a couple of commissioners, and the money wins. I mean, that one I just mentioned, but that was one of them, where uh, the the uh, oboist Toyan I was talking to, she was saying she really wanted something uh, that had something to do with the African diaspora. And I'm thinking to myself, my God, that's a, that's a big responsibility for someone that knows nothing about that music. Um, but, okay, fine. Uh, is there something that meaningful I can contribute? And that's where I mm. did the research and see, are there any connections that I didn't know about? Right. And it, it shows me something about myself that I didn't know about. So sometimes that could be good for a commissioner to push you in that way.
0: Yes. Um,
1: so, I mean, I think that's, that's healthy. I like, I like having kind of like a a project to do where i'm like not always coming up with everything all the time you know so
0: yeah and also like on that note i i like to know what they're good at doing you know i don't want to write them a piece that it's not the best for them like some people are better at i don't know like i love playing fast things i love playing double stops i don't do this you know and then i want to incorporate that in the piece so that they can sound the best they can Playing my piece, but you know, when I don't know anything about them, I could write something, and they're like, "Oh, I actually like hate doing this, this one thing." And yeah, I
1: had a, I had a situation like that happen before with the uh, with the player, and we we talked about it. Uh, you know, we aired it out, and mm-hmm. it was fine. Uh, we we I mean, we're still friends, and everything is cool. But uh, it was That's like the cool. only time that this happened, where it was like tension between us oh. it was very interesting i mean we, we came up with a great piece i thought and you know he was happy with it i was happy with it um people have purchased the piece afterwards and people are performing it and, and so on so i think the result was good but the the process was was interesting because i never had a situation where uh i had to really explain myself um, mm. what 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 am i doing in this bar or why am i doing this or what's the what's the character that you really want from me and i'm like wow i didn't really i'm not really thinking of these things to be honest i mean i could i could kind of reverse engineer it a little bit for you but um you know i don't really know how you should i I want to hear what you do with it also right so i i just uh looking back on it i'm actually kind of grateful because that means that the player really really cares Mm -hmm. about how to play the piece instead of just playing whatever and moving on to the next thing um so i think that's i think it's important to that being said i think it's important to not generally speaking don't do something that the player doesn't want Mm -hmm. but this was a particular case where i was pushing him and he was pushing me right (laughs) and uh just because he's such a great player i wanted to push him you know so to do something he wasn't comfortable with it was it was a little bit of a different situation i think
0: yeah but when they ask such specific questions like what do you mean by this no i don't know how to answer
1: i was asked questions like this yeah and
0: i don't know it's an f-sharp what else do you want me to say yeah i (laughs) was asked like that
1: many times but
0: then you can't just say that so you have to like actually think about what the answer might be yeah and yeah i've had a situation like that too where i had to just make up answers at the spot because you can't just be like i'll just play it you know but um sometimes I want them to just play it and they hear it for themselves.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't like the idea of, of, of not spoon feeding is not the right term. That's just the term that I can that I'm thinking of right now. as I'm saying it mm. uh, like I like the idea of a player figuring out what it is to them.
0: Yes. You know,
1: rather than me saying what it is to me. Because it's a two-way street, I think. Like, I wrote it fine, but I'm not the one playing it, Mm -hmm. you know? And I don't want to be the one playing it. I want to know what you interpret it as. Because maybe your interpretation is better than what I thought it was, Mm -hmm. you know? And if it's not, I'll tell you that, oh, this is not what I was thinking. But without me hearing it, like, I really, like, I'm not going to pretend like I can hear every note in my head. Mm Because I I don't. I mean, I I know what the pitches and rhythms are, but, like, I don't know your timbre perfectly. I don't know exactly how you're going to do this phrasing. I don't know exactly, you know, how the instruments are going to meld together in the room. Like, I, 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 I'm not, I don't literally hear the waves in my head. Right, right. And I, think, I think people assume that we are like that, but we are not. At least I'm not. I don't know how you are.
0: I think it's more interesting when they bring me an interpretation and then we can work on it together. Rather than like, because I'm used to hearing it in one way a very dry way, probably, you know? And I mean, do you use MIDI?
1: What do you mean by do I use MIDI? Like, do you listen to playback? Yes, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So I'm used to hearing it in one way, right? But I know that's not how it's gonna sound. It's gonna sound like 30 times better. But I, so actually with Gigi, I wrote some sketches yesterday and because I want to hear what it actually sounds like on her guitar, her playing it, I sent her those like four lines of music to her and so um, she's gonna send me a little recording of it so that I can get a general sense of what it's gonna sound like then I can keep working but um, when they're just asking me like what do you mean by this one No, like how do you want me to phrase this i don't know well, how would you do it you are the expert on this instrument and i'm providing you information but like i need i don't know i need I to agree. hear there it has to be some yeah. back and forth and like, some. it has to come back to me and then i can give you answers yeah
1: i agree with that yeah i agree with that. that's a good way to do it too and i i've been doing a lot of that recently too with my solo pieces
0: mm-hmm.
1: that i write a little bit give it to them yes and sometimes they'd be nervous oh i don't want to give you a recording that's not perfect i'm like just 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 shred it i don't care it'll give me a better idea than whatever i'm getting in the box here in the computer yeah i
0: want more like the energy and like what it's gonna
1: especially guitar my god God. because you're getting all those resonant frequencies from the other strings and and
0: i don't always know if it's possible guitar is so I don't know. It's hard to figure out. I always have this little picture on my screen when I'm writing a guitar piece. I have like a guitar fret picture, and then the finale file, and then I'm just like doing this the whole time. But like yeah. I would play the guitar. Yeah, I can yeah, make, yeah, yeah. I can sort of like guess, but I don't I know.
1: remember I wrote my last. I wrote a piece of guitar in 2012. Oh my God, Jesus mm. Christ, I'm old. Ten yeah,
0: years? ten
1: years ago. Yeah, it gets played. It, Eh, it doesn't really get played it got played a few times after but um this piece i was like writing it basically in collaboration with the guitarist tim Mm colobere because i i don't know uh, what the heck i'm doing you know and all the like the string numbers and the fret numbers and all that stuff and and i there's so much detail you have to put in a guitar part it's just unbelievable Mm -hmm. it's a completely different world it's like writing for harp it's the same thing it's like Um, you know, when you write for harp, it's like, you got to basically relearn how to compose. Yes, because it's not like writing for the piano or the violin or the flute or any of that stuff. So
0: yeah, and guitar, it's so different, depending on the performer, because some people might be able to stretch further, some people might not be some people are better at doing one thing and not so good at the other thing. So yeah, I'm super excited to write this piece because I've only written for one guitarist so far in my life, Bo. And um, yeah, I don't know how this is gonna work with Gigi. I'm super excited. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's great that you have experience writing for the guitar. I mean, that's good because I think it's good to write for instruments that people are normally not. uh... Yes. And my instrument that's like that is the is the harp.
0: Mm.
1: I mean, I love the harp. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can just if I was writing harp music all the time, I would be very happy. Wow. I love writing for the harp. Okay. So, cause harpist,
0: was, Did you hear that?
1: <laughs> I mean, they know. They know. Whoever <laughs> they, the, those that know, they know that I love writing for the harp. I mean, mm-hmm. I make a lot of mistakes, obviously, but it's because I'm trying to push it, all push right. what they could do, you know? And I think, uh, yeah, guitar would be interesting down the line to, but I just haven't, uh, I don't really know that many guitar players, number one, and number two. I don't have like an image of what I would do with the guitar yet. So but you know, one day.
0: You want to write for it? Hmm? You want to write for it?
1: I would write for it. I just I yeah? just don't I just don't know what I would do. You know, it's not it's right. not like with the harp at least I know exactly what I envision that instrument could do. That's different. Right. But the with the guitar I still have that like you know like in, with the harp, uh you have you have like the, the French Debussy thing in your head like I feel like I got that out of my system like I know how to do something mm. different but with the guitar like the Spanish uh, influence like I can't get that sound out of my head mm. like I don't know how to get out of that um, same thing with saxophone it's like you know but I feel like saxophone figured out how to get away from sounding like a jazz instrument
0: saxophone's hard to write for it's so loud all the time so
1: loud? I don't yeah. think they can be soft too though uh,
0: it doesn't really b- like blend with other instruments really? In real. oh, yeah I I, don't, yeah, I
1: think it does
0: I don't I don't love the saxophone really? so much yeah
1: I love the saxophone but beautiful instrument
0: do you know Takemisu guitar pieces?
1: uh like solo guitar? Or yeah ensemble? solo guitar no, I don't know
0: oh my god those are so great you should listen to them maybe they'll that'll make does you want he
1: use remember. like? he's is he using, using it from a Japanese uh French angle or... no
0: actually so i mean he has like his own original pieces for the soul, uh, guitar too but he's made all these arrangements of like popular tunes like beatles and um danny boy takemitsu yeah um somewhere over the rainbow he has all these arrangements really? of these pop tunes on the guitar and they're so innovative
1: they ran out like with with the yeah. western like no t- yeah, not, not yeah, tab yeah, or anything. yeah
0: it's like really? his own like version of it and they're really beautiful. Yeah.
1: But can you recognize that those are those pop oh, songs? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's okay. like
0: straight up like that tune wow. but with like his harmonization. It's really cool.
1: So why did he even write? What I didn't know he was like a, into the Beatles and stuff like that.
0: Yeah.
1: And who was he writing? If Do you remember who he was writing for? Like what was the reason for? I'd I never know. heard about any of this before.
0: Yeah. I don't know who he was writing for, but he has a bunch of these like 12 10 a lot of them yeah i guess
1: because you know these guitar players they they play them and yeah yeah there's some repertoire from these special instruments that were like the trombone is another good example where like you would never hear about it in your normal composition studies unless you knew a player right where it's like in their world like i'm sure like all the classical guitarists know about these takamitsu pieces right yeah i think so right i mean i'm assuming because like in the sax and trombone and harp worlds they all know the same special pieces for their instrument but like the composers don't know any of it yeah like
0: Tefanel, for example that's a big wind quintet composer but like we don't listen uh, to Tefanel. i
1: don't know who that is
0: oh you should check them out
1: but any wind quintet would know oh
0: Tefanel is like a thing that they play see
1: like i don't know this it's like like a super embarrassing (laughs) imani
0: wins (laughs) (laughs) yeah but um uh yeah this He's called Equinox by Takemisu, It's his own original guitar solo piece. It's beautiful, and it's very far from like the Spanish guitar music that you hear. And like you sort of reimagine what's possible on the guitar. Yeah,
1: yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I feel like if I was ever approached and it made sense, I would, I would again, I would have to do the research, do the whole thing, and figure out like what what I could do. because um, I wouldn't, I also wouldn't want it to sound like an ode like an right. arabic oud uh, straight because yeah. i might as well just use an oud you know Yeah. um because the harp it kind of is like harp you know it's like this but the canoe which is like a, a it's kind of like a harp but this way you okay play it like that they're oh, yeah, they're yeah, yeah. different enough where you can kind of use those techniques mm-hmm. on the harp right but with an oud it's like it's like literally like the mm-hmm. same thing yeah. pretty much yes. I mean, it's got strings over resonating soundboard and You you finger it like this. It uses basically the same plucking way of plucking like this. It's just so similar Mm -hmm. that to like make it sound like that, it's like you might as well just pick up an ood and play that music on the ood, you know. So I I'm afraid of the guitar in that way, you know. So anyway,
0: and it's like one of the instruments that we never ever cover in orchestration class. Like, have you ever learned about the guitar in the orchestra? Yeah, like never.
1: Which is strange because orchestration nowadays, I feel like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the last couple of orchestration classes I've been in weren't really orchestration classes. They're like, more like instrumentation classes.
0: When was the last time you took an orchestration class? Was it the one that we took at Juilliard?
1: Yeah, probably the Schaefer Mahoney's yeah. class, yeah. Uh, orchestration class. Yeah. I mean, it was basically an instrumentation class. Yeah. I mean, we did some stuff where we discussed how to blend. Did we do that? some ensembles. I mean, some families of instruments together. But it was, I felt like it was more like, even the orchestration I took before, like during my undergrad at USC, felt like it was more like, this is how a flute works. This is how a clarinet works.
0: This is the range. This is the array.
1: This is the oboe. This is the this. This is that. But like, okay, fine. But that's not what orchestration is. Orchestration is how do we, what do these instruments sound like Mm. in the hall?
0: Hmm. You know? Mm -hmm.
1: And how do you actually orchestrate like when you have an idea like what do you actually do with it
0: right right
1: and i feel like at both of these classes that i took that was addressed but like near the end like after we Mm. did all the different instruments then okay by the end there's like a week or two to like figure out okay now we know about these instruments how do we um use them right and even I, i took an advanced orchestration class i think with um i think it was an orchestration class with with Gaior at Columbia. It was okay. like one of the offerings. And that was more like an analysis class. We would look at scores a lot, but never did we. And a lot of these scores were like, like Berig Violin Concerto or or like stuff that had like more microtonal mm-hmm,
0: kind mm-hmm. of things
1: going on in it. But it wouldn't be like, all right, now we know all this stuff. Like go ahead and orchestrate your own mm-hmm. passage and we're going to hear it. Like that wasn't part of the class. Right. Um, and I feel like orchestration should be when I think of orchestration, that's what I think it should be, but, you know, obviously there's different reasons why different teachers do do it that way, right? but I don't know, I don't know if you agree, but this is, this is kind of how I feel about it.
0: I feel like these classes, like orchestration, or like, what, what other classes are there? Like, I feel like a lot of music classes are just like up to the teacher, and there isn't like a set structure that we have to go through. And um I don't know like how I think the best way to learn orchestration is like you said to do it and then hear it, right? And then compare it with other people who've done the same thing but differently. But we did two readings in that orchestration class, right? At Juilliard? Yeah, I think so. Did you think that that was helpful?
1: At the time probably not.
0: Yeah, I didn't think so either.
1: I don't remember why though, but I, I don't I remember not getting much out of it. Um, I remember one in particular was really good. I think it was Alexander Lieberman's. Yes! I remember his. I took away from that that oh, he's a good orchestrator, but I don't remember anyone else's project. Yes. I don't remember my project. Uh huh. At all, I have no recollection of right. it. Right. I only remember his. Um.
0: Yeah. Same, actually. Really. Alex okay. and I talked about that actually. Really? Like in June when I was in New York.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I, I don't know why that is. Anyway, I mean. I think I learned the most from orchestration when I'm like actually with a real orchestra and learning the stuff right. and having the recordings and sitting there with my score and seeing other people's scores that are also there at the readings. Mm-hmm. That helps a lot, yes. I think. And, yes. and uh, just listening to a lot of recordings. I mean, when I was like in my early 20s, oh my God, I would be listening. I would sit the whole day, listen to Shostakovich, Symphony 1, all the way to 15. Mm-hmm. Just sit there the whole day. Right. No problem. I was... <laughs> No responsibility, no care in the world. I loved it, you know. Just listen to all of them with a right. the score. Stop when I, there's something I like. Mm-hmm. Figure out why I like it. And just move on. And right. It's in the back of my brain. and That's how I did it, you know. I think that's the way to do it. Um,
0: I mean, I think the reading, I mean, this is my opinion. I don't think it was super helpful for some of us it, because we didn't get to choose what we were going to orchestrate. I'm pretty sure it was like some sort of like Debussy piano piece that we had to do. And I mean, Alex's is, is like very memorable to me too, even to this day, and we talked about it, and I think it's because like Alex took the most liberty in changing the piece. He added a bunch of like flute sort of like arpeggios on top, and like he made it very like decorative. And like everyone else, we just like took the notes and then put it in. Yeah. And Basically. yeah, and also, I think we were all busy, and we it's were the like, end of the semester. yeah, just gotta do this thing, you know. And yeah. I think that might have been why it wasn't like super helpful to us. But maybe it might be more interesting if we pick some sort of music that we want to orchestrate and hear what that sounds like. I don't know.
1: I don't know either, but I mean the. <laughs> What we had at Juilliard is not the norm though of hearing like an orchestra perform your music, even if it's a even right. if it's an arrangement um in most classes you don't hear anything at the end right. you're just kind of going through the Adler textbook or whatever they have, and maybe they would bring in a flute player or an oboe player or whoever yeah. to come in and demonstrate that would be the the extent of it mm-hmm. and the other thing is not everybody's an orchestra composer or should sure. be an orchestra composer sure. i mean it's You know, we're orchestra composers, I would say, but we don't write for the orchestra all year long. And people that are even orchestra composers, like they don't want to write for the orchestra all year long either. It's a slog.
0: That would be hard. And it's
1: not creatively. I don't think it's that creatively fulfilling, to be honest with you, to be writing one orchestra piece after another. It's it's hard to be like experimental or push yourself when like all you're thinking about is I only have like less than an hour of rehearsal. I don't want to embarrass myself in front of 80 musicians and mm-hmm. 2,000 people in the, in, the, um, in the hall. And, you know, with that sort of pressure, it's hard to do anything that's, like, not, like, uh, that's, that's, that's really outside yourself. So, like, whenever I write a new orchestra piece, I never think of it in a way like, all right, let's do something new. It's more like, okay, what did I learn from the last few pieces and what can yes. I do to make it, like, an orchestra piece? Mm-hmm. You know, if that makes sense. Yes, Yes. Yeah. And I hate kind of thinking that way it's not like how a composer should think but you have to be practical yes in these situations because you don't want to show up there and like not know what things are going to sound like
0: yeah that's really scary and then like
1: have to change things you can't change things yeah you can change some things but then you got to redo the parts send it to the librarian have them reprint the parts i had a gig in france you know where i i redid the whole percussion part because it just wasn't working Oh. But they didn't reprint the work the the part at all, oh. so they were reading from the old percussion part instead of the part that I spent all night redoing. so we show up to the show and I'm like at the dress rehearsal, and they're still playing the oh. the old part I'm like, where's the new part? And like there was like some mis- miscommunication that they that they didn't uh they didn't print out the new part, oh, so gosh. it's like there's all these like variables that get introduced when you're working with so many people that yes to write something that you're not sure about like i definitely wasn't sure about this percussion part when i wrote it Mm. i knew that going in but i said oh let's just just do it like if it if it works well it'll be great if it doesn't you know whatever i I learned but Mm -hmm. when i tried to fix it the i couldn't even hear what the fruit of my labor was right so you know it was a little frustrating at at the time you know i'm over it now but at the time it was stressful
0: of course and it's like
1: you know to do that piece after piece I mean I know there are composers out there their dream is to write for the orchestra and stuff like that but it's not it's that's not a a reality like Mm -hmm. if, if that ever happens to you and you're in that position where you're writing a bunch of orchestra music that's not the reality of what life will be like day to day it will be very stressful all the time yeah I just don't think that it's it's for everybody I think everybody should try it but you know it's it's not like I think that some people myself included when i was young i thought i want to write for orchestra and that's Mm. listen that's the music i listened to that's why i got into composing uh but the older i got i was like huh this is this is not what i thought it was going to be like Mm. you know if that makes sense
0: i mean i think it's a totally different thing just to like write for the orchestra well like going back on the percussion thing i feel like when i'm writing for the orchestra I'm kind of similar in the way that I try to rely on what I've learned in the past and also like what I know is going to work. And maybe I try like one or two new things, you know, mm-hmm. and see what works. But when I want to actually like try something completely new and like, it's okay for me to experiment and like maybe possibly make a mistake, I do it with chamber. Then yeah. it's a lot more pers- like personal and I can make changes right there and then it can be done. But actually. Um, in this one uh, music festival that I went to, I had to change the percussion part too. Like it was like the same thing. And, oh yeah, with yeah, percussion, yeah. It was percussion too. Yeah, percussion two part. I wanted to change something, so I made the whole part again and printed whatever. Um, we get to the reading session, which was going to be actually recorded, right? The percussion part didn't make it on the stand.
1: Oh, the same thing that happened So to me, this yeah. guy
0: didn't play it. Yeah. And this part was super exposed, super loud. That was how the piece was going to end. It was just like bongos just going like nuts. And so we get to that section, and it's a reading session, so we read it through, and that's it, right?
1: Yeah.
0: I don't hear anything. He's just standing there. And so that was yeah i mean that wasn't super nice it just didn't work i didn't even get to hear what i was trying to do that's the thing it's that's that's
1: the thing when you were dealing with the orchestra it's like you know you're or this is a chamber this is is an orchestra this is an orchestra piece yeah it's this is the situation you're dealt with and you kind of have to take it as a composer because you're not you're not affiliated with that institution you're kind of you're just a guest really you know and uh You're not conducting either you're not the librarian you're you're just you're just you're just this outside figure uh that usually nobody wants there (laughs) yeah why
0: why don't they want us there
1: (laughs) i don't know i don't know maybe there were a few bad apples in the last few decades that made it uncomfortable for them i don't know it could be that because um i have no idea because at least the composers i know that have been around in this situation most are very respectful I probably I can't even probably count with one hand anyone being having any confrontation at all mm-hmm, mm-hmm. maybe even maybe once or twice I, I can't even remember it to be honest so I don't see what the problem is like composers right. are usually very grateful to have their music performed by an orchestra I mean it's like this is kind of like what we, what we hope yes to happen yeah. so so I don't know I don't know what the what the problem is most of the time
0: i think it depends on the conductor a lot some conductors want you to come and talk before the reading happens or be- before the first rehearsal um some conductors don't want you to say anything at all after the rehearsal you know you can talk to him directly or her directly but yeah i think it sort of depends on who's on the podium yeah, yeah.
1: i sort of prefer not talking at all you know i mean i've, I've talked obviously before but i, I just feel like it's kind of wasted time mm. because i know that If I tell the conductor what the piece is about, et cetera, he or she will always be able to translate it better. No matter how well I said it, whatever he's gonna say or she's gonna say to the orchestra is going to make more sense.
0: That makes sense, because they know how to communicate with the orchestra. We don't really know how to do that.
1: No, nor should we. Yeah. You know, we shouldn't be responsible for everything. We have one job, I think, when it comes to the composition, it took a long time, Obviously, our job is to communicate it well, but our job is not to also communicate it at, in the rehearsal to all these musicians that we would never met before.
0: That's true. Like, so many of them on the stage too, just looking at you, you know? It's, and it's intimidating. And we're not
1: comfortable also in front no, of 80 people. No. Uh, we're not on this. The conductor is there every week, every day. Right. He, he or she knows. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're de-stigmatized to that feeling of nervousness and but as a composer as as a human being forget composer as a human being just it's a lot of pressure and then you know in front of a lot of people and you know we don't do this every week nor should we so my feeling is that you know get together with the conductor air it out what the piece is about get all the confusion out of the way do the first rehearsal and then do the meeting again Mm -hmm. until Mm -hmm. the show and even after the show do another short meeting. Mm. see what can you do to improve the piece where are some revisions that could be good for the next you know round of if it gets played again what should we do differently next time to make mm-hmm. it even clearer uh, save all that conversation for outside the, the actual music rehearsal time where you know thousands of dollars are being spent every minute
0: mm, uh, that's true. you know yeah. so
1: I mean this is my it's a little less human for sure but it's more practical
0: it is and more efficient you know time is money in orchestra and like you we, usually we have like an eight minute piece 10 minute piece and the rehearsal time is maybe 15 minutes so you know
1: 15 minute rehearsal time Yeah, it's Jesus, so little, that's a little...
0: <laughs> it's so little I feel like sometimes you can really get like one run through yeah
1: that's yeah that's yeah I guess that could happen yeah that's it, it's really it's really intense but it's, it's the truth
0: Mhm.
1: so yeah, I mean, but it's fun.
0: It is so fun. I <laughs> don't
1: want to end it on. I don't want to end on a on a note like that. It is a lot of fun. I guess
0: that's a all lot I want to be doing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm about to start a couple of orchestra pieces, and I don't want to come in. I don't want to come with that mindset. I'm, it's exciting, you know, when you're writing an orchestra piece. Oh my God,
0: it's the best thing you can it's do a as a composer. composer. No, yeah. it's exciting.
1: You no, know, it's exciting. But you got to be, you got to be realistic. You know. Yes. It's like, you know, it's like having a kid. You know, it's exciting, but. <laughs> it's not gonna be i don't know i haven't had a kid obviously but you know it's exciting it's exciting but there are a lot of responsibilities with it and a lot of practical practical stuff that you have to consider right it's not all roses and you know sunshine and whatever metaphor you want to come up with
0: you should think about it that way it's a lot less than having a child
1: that's true it's a lot (laughs) easier it's It's a lot easier than that (laughs) (laughs) exactly all right well with that note um Thank you, Nikki, for coming by. I'm going to put some links of Nikki's music down in the description below. I'm going to put Gabriella Lana Frank's Academy down in the description below, too, because I think that's important to check out Mm -hmm. as well. So thanks so much for coming.
0: Thanks for having me. Bye.
1: Peace. (laughs)